Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 132 of the Modern Bar Cart podcast. I'm your host, Modern Bar Cart CEO, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me for part two of this two-part mini-series on cocktail competitions and the bartenders who show up ready to do battle, no matter what twists and secret ingredients are thrown their way. This time around, we head to McClintock Distilling in historic Frederick, Maryland to check out a cocktail competition that I emceed, featuring some of the most talented mixologists in the region. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's do the right thing and give you the chance to make yourself a drink. In accordance with our dry January theme for this month, this episode's featured mocktail is the Verde Maria, a zippy green spin on the classic Bloody Mary. To make it, you'll need two ounces of Honeydew Jalapeno Shrub by Element Shrub, one half ounce fresh lime juice, one teaspoon of grated or ground horseradish, one dropper of our Iki Japanese Bitters by Embitterment, and four ounces of fresh tomatillo juice. Tomatillos are those little green tomatoes with the papery husks on them that you see at the grocery store, and I personally love them for their tangy, slightly smoky flavor. To make that tomatillo juice, you just need to throw two or three pre-husked tomatillos in a blender, uh, with about an ounce or two of water and blitz them up until they're smooth and liquidy. Throw that tomatillo juice along with the other ingredients in a cocktail shaker with ice, give them a good hard shake, and then strain into a Collins glass over ice. Garnish this drink with your favorite Bloody Mary accompaniment and enjoy it at your next booze-free brunch. To celebrate dry January, all the non-pantry ingredients in the Verde Maria and all the other mocktails we featured this month will be 10% off over at modernbarcart.com. And this includes our bamboo and stainless steel straws by Jungle Straws because we don't drink Bloody Marys like barbarians. We sip them. So now that you're all fueled up and feeling delicious, let's turn our attention back to the event that everyone was talking about during the holiday season, the inaugural installment of the epic Barroom Blitz. During this episode, you'll hear stories and flavor advice from the five bartenders who competed in this battle to raise money for their respective charities and nonprofits. And then at the end, I'll give you a quick rundown of everything I've learned by observing, organizing, and even emceeing several cocktail competitions in the past few months. We'll also be rolling out some video in association with this episode, so please head on over to our Instagram feed or our YouTube channel to check out some of the footage featuring these incredible mixologists. And with that, please enjoy these fascinating first-hand accounts from the McClintock Distilling Holiday Barroom Blitz. If you've never been to Frederick, Maryland, you're missing out on a fusion of cobbled sidewalks, refurbished industrial buildings, cozy storefronts, and a beautiful promenade along Carroll Creek, which runs through the center of it all. It's a hard place to explain. 
Francis Scott Key, the guy who wrote the Star Spangled Banner, practiced law there. It was briefly the capital of Maryland during the Civil War. It feels like a bustling commercial hub compared to the surrounding farmlands, and yet the people who live and work there are among the most laid-back, accommodating folks I've ever met. I guess you'll just have to visit yourself to understand its many contradictions. But when I arrived in Frederick, Maryland on a cold, wet day in mid-December, I wasn't thinking about any of that. There was only one thing on my mind, making this ambitious cocktail competition a success. I rolled into McClintock Distilling with bags of sugar for making syrups, my reliable set of vintage citrus juicers, and a whole slew of other equipment we'd need to prep all of the non-liquor ingredients for the bartenders and the crowd. See, we wanted to make sure that even though we weren't holding this competition at a fully stocked bar, the bartenders would have everything they needed, and then some. Fresh herbs? Check. A library of vermouths and liqueurs? Check. Butterfly pea flower syrup? Check. And then there was the constant whirring of the citrus juicers with me and the team from McClintock plowing through cases of lemons and limes to make sure our bartenders could make as many sour cocktails as their little hearts desired. Later in the afternoon, the bartenders arrived to set up their stations and prepare the initial cocktails they would present during the People's Choice Round, where over 100 guests would have the opportunity to sample and cast their vote for the bartender they would like to see move on to the competition round of the event. Once they were all set up, I grabbed each of our participants for a quick one-on-one interview to learn all about their backgrounds, their styles, and what they hoped to bring to the table later that evening. First up, let's hear from bartender Jake Klein of Hometown Harvest. Jake, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. So we are hanging out here in the office at McClendock Distilling. We are about an hour or two away from this beautiful barroom blitz event. Um, Before we get into that, can you just tell our listeners how you got into bartending? Uh, Because I know that you've got like a bunch of other stuff that you do as well. Yeah, absolutely. So... I uh, started out as a chef. I actually went to culinary school and, and was back house for a long time. But I've always had like a passion for drinks, for, you know, flavors. Got into coffee when I was young. That was like a big passion of mine, coffee, tea. And actually, like I was thinking watching Santa Claus and the elf comes, the best hot chocolate. She's like twice the chocolate, not too hot, not too cold, shaken, not stirred. <laughs> and I swear I shook so much hot chocolate when I was like six years old after watching that movie. And so I've always kind of had that, you know, knack for for mixing stuff up, trying new flavors. So, you know, as a chef, you're in the industry, you're surrounded by great bar programs. A lot of the restaurants I worked at had really great bar programs where, you know, I would get to help out making some tinctures, syrups, infusions, and you know, once we opened up this restaurant, which we opened up in May at Hometown Harvest Kitchen, we didn't have a full bar, and that was kind of our goal. Get some things worked out and then open up a full bar, which uh, is opening up this coming week. So this is my first really dive into building out a bar, setting up a bar, you know, the purchasing that goes into it, building out your cocktail list and stuff. So kind of come full circle starting, you know, as an interest, going through back house and then coming back to front of house. Yeah, it's exciting, especially with the, uh, the, the opening of the bar being imminent here. Um, what is your style of cocktails? Like if you had to characterize something about your style that makes your creations or your concepts interesting, what, what would that be? 
So I, you know, I've done uh, a lot of menu creation with um, food. And so when I look at a cocktail, I generally tend to break it down into like the basics of flavor. You know, I can look at a dish and all right, it's savory, sweet, spicy, you know, balancing flavor. So I really like to take a balanced approach. You know, I love classics like Manhattan's one of my favorite cocktails and doing variations with still keeping a base, but playing with the flavors. You know, there's so many flavors that go together as a chef. You know, I used tons of different spices, um, different aromatics. So bringing that to a cocktail, just looking at a good base um, cocktail and then doing variations where I can play with flavor, you know, maybe switching out some of the Amaro's, maybe doing an interesting syrup with a, a different spice or like tonight I'm using carrot in a cocktail. So Very using exciting. some yeah fresh produce and, you know, bringing something that isn't uh, super popular, like adding vegetables to cocktails, like that kind of excites me. Just there's so much you could do. It's a pretty wide open canvas. So just being able to paint, you know, paint a picture with some some liquors. Yeah, I like the idea of like painting a picture with flavor. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm also super excited for that carrot cocktail. Can you just walk folks through um, the cocktail that you've presented for the People's Choice Round this evening? Absolutely. So kind of took inspiration from a bee's knees. That was one of the first cocktails that really like sucked me in as like a craft cocktail. Um, for this cocktail, I took uh, McClintock's Gardner Gin, which has a little more aromatics. It's not like super uh, juniper forward. So it has a little more um, botanical profile to it. So I actually did a split base between the Garner's Gin and the Epiphany Vodka. A little Vesper trick to tone down a little bit of the gin just so it wasn't super overpowering. Um, then I made a carrot ginger syrup. So instead of using water for my simple syrup, I subbed it out with carrot juice. Then I did tone that sugar down just a little bit just because of the natural sugars. I don't want it to be cloyingly sweet. I didn't want it to be a rich simple. So, um, and then some lemon juice. So when I'm building the cocktail, it's uh, very close to a traditional bee's knees um, measurement. So it's an ounce each of the Garner's Gin and the Epiphany Vodka, and then about a half ounce of the carrot ginger syrup, and then about a quarter ounce of the lemon juice. Oh, man, that so it's, so good. It's definitely showcases the spirit really well. Oh, also forgot the most important part. <laughs> DC Embitterment Liquid Gold Bitter. So uh, that saffron, <laughs> the ginger, the turmeric, yeah. that kind of accents and pulls uh, a lot of the carrot ginger syrup and, and really binds it to that Garner's Gin. So, um, you know, it's I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah. And it's going to be a good cocktail. Super exciting. Also super colorful. You've got the oh, pink yeah. from the Gardener's Gin. You've yeah. got the yellow from the liquid gold. And then you've got, I'm sure the, the carrot ginger Vibrant. syrup is very, very <laughs> yeah. colorful. So yeah, that'll be, that'll be really fun. Um, to taste and I, I i really love vegetables and cocktails mm -hmm. like can we just for a second just like have more people like advocating for vegetables and cocktails yeah. like if the gibson is not where it should stop right and the bloody mary i mean like those are like the two classics that oh, i can absolutely. think of but man carrot juice carrot um, juice you think of like so many vegetables have sweetness they have earthiness i mean beets is another easy one that you can make cocktails with beets to bring earthy notes but also um, some natural sweetness and just a lot more depth. Yeah. So I'm um, I'm about it. I'll definitely be uh, messing around. Celery is another one that you oh, know. Yeah. Celery. It's super bright and it almost has like a brininess to it. It kind of mm. cuts through some other flavors. So mm -hmm. I'll be definitely playing around with a lot of vegetables and 
seeing where we go with it. Well, we're excited to uh, taste your cocktail in the People's Choice round. We're excited to see uh, if you advance what you come up with uh, in the chopped style rounds with secret ingredients. And I think most of all, we're excited to see what you can put together at Hometown Harvest. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Eric. Thanks. Next, we hear from Trisha Hawkins, who talks about building layers of flavor, zenning out behind the bar, and the value of wolf pelts and deer antlers. I'm gonna channel my inner Joe Rogan. Your inner Joe Rogan? <laughs> Do you have an inner Joe Rogan? Maybe. I mean, you've got antlers on the table. That's true. Right now. Yeah. That's they're a not, really. They're not elk antlers, but. They're very exciting. Yes, thank you. Um, I feel excited. Trisha, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, so can you tell our listeners your bartender story? How did you come to be a bartender? Uh, and if you have a, a maybe a particular style of bartending, what does that look like? Well, I had to pay for college. So <laughs> I started bartending because I knew it was going to be good money. And Dan's Restaurant and Tap House is opening up around the same time I was starting college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, well, why not? And I turned my application in like three months ahead of time. I went to their opening job fair and they already had my application on file and they hired me on the spot. Yeah, as you as um, you would with somebody who's that prepared. Right, so uh, <laughs> I actually started out as a hostess, um, 18, worked my way up to server, bartender, and now I'm a beverage manager, oh. um, but I still bartend a lot. And I would say that my style is efficiency, for sure. Efficiency um, in terms of like, in terms of what? Cause that's a, that, that's a really cool style. In terms of multitasking, getting things done and still keeping a smile on my face even when mm. shit is hitting the fan. Yeah, let's talk about that because I think that's something, you know, most of our listeners are our home bartenders and so a lot of them will go home and make a cocktail for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's pretty low pressure, you know, right. pretty, yeah. you know and if you yeah. mess it up, all right, dump it and then try again. Well, that's the beauty of when I do go home and I can make myself a cocktail with no pressure. I definitely take my time. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Do you, like, what's your, I don't want to say a coping mechanism because obviously like you've, you've kind of like internalized this, your style is efficiency with a smile, even when things are really busy and you're, you're tickets and tickets deep. Mm -hmm. What do you, what goes through your mind when, when that sort of situation takes place? I usually play a tool song in my head. Which one? Any one that I'm feeling that day. Mm -hmm. Um, Lately it's a new album. Mm Mm-hmm. Just kind Usually, of zen out. Yeah, with the soundtrack. I just play a song in my head. Hmm. Yeah, and it's nice because when you do that, you start nodding. Nodding yeah. is like a, an affirmative thing. Like, and people, then I'm like pouring beers, and then I'm pouring two beers, yeah. and then I've got one under the nitro line, and then I'm pouring two beers over here and stopping the nitro line, and then coming back, serving uh-huh. the beers, mixing the cocktails. Yeah, it's groovy. I like that. Like a tempo. Yeah, kind of like a tempo approach. Tempo efficiency bartending. That's mm. what we'll call my style. Mm. You should um, should publish like a like a seminar where you teach that style. I would love to get paid to do that. Yeah. Um, so what kind of cocktails do you normally serve at the bar? And then what do you have for us this evening? Well, um, we've recently, upon my promotion at Dan's, have been elevating our cocktail list. Like, we've got 10th Ward, we've got McClintock now, whereas before we didn't really have locally handcrafted um, gins, whatever. Uh, so we've definitely been elevating. So this is a new kind of style for us. Right now, my favorite one on the Dan's cocktail list is Trisha's Aztec Hot Chocolate, which is a locally distilled Falls Church chili mm-hmm. vodka with hot chocolate, um, chili bitters, whipped cream, Ooh. chocolate, 
and then hot pepper flakes on oh. top. So it's beautiful and delicious and very sensational because it's like chili and then chocolate. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I wide ranges of cocktails is what I would say I make. Yeah. That, Just whatever tastes good. And that, then, that's very layered. Like yeah. we just described, like there's there's like several Top layers. And chili and warmth and cream and yeah. Yeah. It's good. Tonight I have a wolf mule, which is why I'm dressed in a wolf pelt and I have antlers on the table. <laughs> yeah, you look like you slew some animals on the way here. <laughs> I didn't sl- I didn't no slay no any animals. No, this is given to me as a gift. Yeah. Um but it's ginger beer with the cognac aged gin. And then the spice pear cordial. Yeah. I'm pouring a little bit of prickly pear simple syrup into it, um, and then I'm garnishing it with uh, pickled ginger, Ooh. which is going to replicate. I'm telling the story of like Fenrir and Odin. So the pickled ginger is like the scraps of Odin's flesh, like at Ragnarok, where Fenrir like tears oh, wow. Odin apart after he breaks free of the chains that the god Tyr put him in. Um, so it's like the wolf mule, and then I'm donating to the Wolf Conservation Center. So. It's all a story. Oh, that is such a tight narrative. And again, you know, like it's just like that that chili uh, hot chocolate drink you just described because you've got the the pickled ginger, which is kind of spicy and and I like spice and, and feisty. Yeah. Yeah. But then you did probably like one of the most intelligent moves w- to pair that Thank with, you. which is that prickly pear syrup, which is super mellow. Right. Well, the super sweetness mellow. cuts the the spice of the ginger just a little bit mm-hmm. also is symbolic of the blood right it's very pink. <laughs> i love it Thanks. it's such a tight concept um yeah. what are you excited for this evening i am most excited to see how people react to not just my cocktail but to everyone's because everyone's has like super awesome ingredients and i'm just excited to see people go like wow what like get their minds blown by everybody's cocktails exactly this is there's such like a such a concentration of talent in such yeah. a small space so it should be really fun to see um trisha best of luck and thanks for being on the podcast thank you very much next we hear from frederick native Corey weddle on his approach to hospitality and creating a negroni without sweet vermouth so i guess i first got into bartending when i was about 19 years old at shabro bistro which um was pretty much responsible for bringing craft cocktails into Frederick. Before then, there weren't really any delicate programs, if you will. Right. Um, focus on the nuances of actually creating a drink. So at Chabro, I pretty much learned how to make the majority of the classics. And from then on, it's no experimentation. Yeah. What, what is your style if you had to, like, put it in a phrase or a sentence? Um... I suppose, you know, the way I go about it is I want to make the customer happy. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's like, you know, what kind of base spirit do you like? What kind of citrus do you care for? Well, I'm going to throw something weird in there, and you're most likely going to enjoy this. And if you don't, well, let's let's try again from the ground zero. Sure. Um, so I guess I like to cater to the people. It's a good, it seems like a very comforting experience, you know? Like, you take the risk out of it almost. Yeah, and a lot of people, especially people that are used to, you know, just whiskey and ginger, that's that's the thing. A Negroni can be very intimidating, but, you know, I'm going to tell you, Campari is, it's bitter, but it's also sweet. And so, it's deli- it's like, yeah, yeah it'll, that's, it's a bug that bites you and you keep coming back. Yeah, I, I mean, I finish the night off with a shot of Campari, typically. Yeah. I mean, that's probably how tonight will end. For sure. At least. 
and it seems like you're using Campari in your first round cocktail. Can you tell us a little bit about that drink? Yeah, so essentially what I wanted to do was make a Negroni without sweet vermouth. Interesting. So what I've done is I've incorporated the Campari, the barrel-aged gin, which mm. kind of has that, you know, that cognac back note. In addition to that, um, a little bit of blood orange juice to bring a little bit of acid that you would have from the vermouth. And then I made a persimmon simple syrup, if Ooh. you will. I actually didn't add any sugar at all. It was just persimmons and water, uh-huh. uh, like a low boil for two hours. Just reduced it, reduced it. Um, I didn't even get a chance to reduce that much, and I was scared to reduce too far because of the amount of covers that were potentially going to be on the board. Sure. So as it is, I, I made two gallons. I could have taken it further, um, but you know, to build that body without the reduction, I just took a couple fresh persimmons mm-hmm. and incorporated that in via the Vitamix, and you know that. That's the body that you would get from the reduction, but also, you know, a couple of the bright notes you would get from fresh persimmon. Right. So just building a dynamic, simple syrup that's going to carry through and, you know, gin and Campari together kind of, you have to be able to battle that. Yes. And I I like, I think going with the barrel aged is smart. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's such a good product. And, you know, I think this time of year when the weather outside is indeed frightful, you know, some people are looking for some of those kind of caramel barrel aged notes, even if they're just in the background. Um, And I think the Campari template is obviously very, you know, easy to fit that into because of the Boulevardier, right? Indeed. Um, wow. So those, it's, it's crazy because, you know, speaking with all these bartenders before the event, I just really, I love the stories of layering, you know, everyone's putting together these really rich, complex cocktails. Um, what, what are you calling the cocktail? Uh, Count Camillo. Count I, I think Camillo. I'm saying that wrong because it's Italian, but the story goes that in Italy in the 1800s, Count Camillo Negroni asked his bartender friend to spice up his drink a little bit. I believe he was drinking an Americano, mm-hmm. and in came the gin, Right. thus Negroni was born. I love it. I love it. Calling back to history, but you're putting a fresh spin on it. Yeah. Um, Corey, thanks for talking to me. Best of luck tonight, and we're excited to see what you put out. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Next up, let's hear from bartender Damon Shattuck about Bartender's Choice Cocktails and Clarified Milk Punch. Damon, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So... Tell us a little bit about how you came to be a bartender, and uh, if you have a specific bartending style, what does that look like when you're behind the bar? Uh, well, I became a bartender through uh, working in restaurants through high school and uh, college. Started out as a dishwasher, ended up uh, becoming a busboy, then a waiter, then eventually working my way to the bar. Um, so I've been doing it for 20 years now, so it's been a long time. and. Uh, if I had to define my style, I'd say, if one word, hospitality. I try to give the guests what they want. Um, probably more than half the drinks I make are a bartender's choice, which is just ask the guests, you know, what what do you like? Do you like citrus? Do you like spice? Sour? Tropical? Whatever. And uh, go from there. Nice. Now, I imagine that gets complicated. Um, like, do you have any like little tricks of the trade for somebody who maybe doesn't know what they like or is maybe a little bit nervous going into a bartender's choice situation? <laughs> uh, 
Well, I can. I've gotten pretty good at it over time. I can sort of guess or you know figure out if they're actually saying they like everything, and a lot of times they don't. Yeah. So uh, start off with lighter spirits, you know, vodka, gin. Keep it simple, just a well balanced drink. And uh, usually by the second drink, you can get a feel for whether or not they want to take it any further. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, my, one of the first questions I usually ask in that situation is if somebody is just completely paralyzed, I just say, do you like barrel-aged spirits or do you like clear spirits? Right. And usually that gets us off on enough of a start to be able to talk about flavor and what yeah. they like. I mean, something I've said probably a million times is, would you like something spirit forward and stirred or do you like something citrusy and refreshing? Right. I mean, I'd probably say it like 40 times a night. So. Right, that's the other binary in the cocktail world, right? There's aged and unaged and then there's shaken or stirred. Right. So I think if you can kind of check off those two boxes, it's, you know, especially if you have uh, some, some favorite ingredients that you're excited about or maybe something seasonal that's on the menu, I think usually, you know, the when you encounter that the bartender's choice in the wild it just seems so magical right. um, but there are just a few basic tricks of the trade to be able to you know get maybe not 90% of the way there but at least 50% of the way to a good drink definitely i mean sometimes people surprise themselves with what they like because they don't really know not yeah. everybody knows what cocktails they like and especially it's a new world of uh mixology now where like people are sort of exploring it again for the you know last 10 years so yeah for sure um it's a lot of just training people on what they like so yeah long for the ride so what are you serving up tonight uh so my first cocktail is a clarified milk punch and the concept is very simple it's a uh cosmo so it's it's cosmo and then a lot more after that sure. so it's the base is a uh mcclintock's gardener's gin and their cranberry hibiscus cordial and then it's citrus, uh, cinnamon, and vanilla, and cranberry juice. And all that is uh, mixed with milk and then filtered out and clarified and uh, served as a traditional milk punch is what it would be called. Yeah, and that's, that's interesting too because usually, like if you were to say milk punch, the idea of or the, the, the concept of the Cosmo is usually not anywhere in that immediate vicinity yeah, of no, milk punch. It's not, it's true. Uh, but I but I like it because it's on the right? You got a lot of cranberry. This is kind of a cranberry time of year. Yeah. Um, and what do you think the, what is the milk punch? If you had to describe how the milk plays into that flavor profile, because it is very trippy, for especially for someone who's never had milk punch before, how would you describe that to listeners? Uh, really, it's about the texture. Uh, when you clarify it with milk, it, you take out, you filter out all the particulates and all the whatever, anything that's come through the aging of the spirits or any little bits that might be in the citrus. And uh, it's a textural thing. Uh, it drinks more like a rich glass of wine, but it's got the kick of a martini. Yeah. Yeah, so. Milk punches are so cool. It is totally a mouthfeel situation. And I think, you know, what you were describing just a second ago when you're talking about, you know, people are constantly learning what they like, especially when they come to a bar like yours where they're they're interacting with somebody who's really there to tail, tailor the experience for them. They, they find out what they like for the first time, and, and I feel like you end up blowing a lot of people's minds. And I know that the first time I had Milk Punch, my mind was blown from a textural perspective. Yeah, and, uh, you know, sometimes you say something that crazy, and they... 
people will say like there's no possible way they try it and they love they love it and after that you've gained their trust and uh, you could do just about anything you want yeah and that kind of goes back to yeah. your hospitality thing right, right? you know um it's it is a very i think intense thing to have to walk up to somebody and form a relationship that quickly right that um is, yeah. and I, that's why i really like your kind of like in a word hospitality yeah that's everything be yeah. prepared me some plus and good hospitality Damon, it was great to meet you. Best of luck tonight. We're excited to see what you put together. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Finally, let's chat with Sarah Murphy about the natural local cocktail movement and the value of cocktail education. Sarah, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and just kind of tell us why you found your way to the world of bartending? (laughs) And uh, if you have a particular style, what is that style? Sure. Absolutely. Hi, listeners. Uh, Thanks for tuning in with us. So I'm from Guidehouse Girl in Oxford, Maryland. We're just three years old. So we're about the same age as McClintock. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of growing right alongside them. Um, I started bartending in college. It was sort of those most bang for your buck when you have very little time in college. Uh, So that was my night job. And I just got to the point where, you know, I didn't really enjoy the soda gun and the powdered mixes Uh, and the neon colored (laughs) apple pucker and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So I started kind of researching you know, what would it be like if we use fresh mixes and fresh syrups when we make our own stuff? And wow, makes a big difference. Um, It didn't really take too well in Morgantown at the time. I went to WVU, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they weren't really into the craft cocktail scene quite yet. But then I moved to Harper's Ferry recently. Uh, My boyfriend Darren and I opened Guidehouse Grill in Knoxville. And we've sort of been taking this really fun, all-natural, 100% all-natural cocktail approach We use as many local ingredients as we can find, including a lot of the sponsors for today's event, Um, McClintock specifically. um, We've been using Element Shrub recently. Shout out to Charlie. Heck yeah. Um, And some of the Embitterment Bitters. I'm having a lot of fun with that orange one right now. I'm kind of obsessed with it. It's going in all of my stuff. Um, But in a nutshell, uh, that's what we're doing. Cool. All natural craft cocktails. Everything tastes and looks good. Nothing bad for you. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting. It it occurs to me, like I'm from DC and Mm -hmm. it's just interesting to see like the different timeline of that natural trend (laughs) taking place at a different pace Mm -hmm. in the city versus, well, I guess in like a city like DC versus a city like Morgantown or a city uh, like even smaller than that. Um, Small city. What what do you (laughs) kind of do? to spread that gospel because I have a feeling you are probably doing more work in that space than some of the bartenders in DC who just sort of walked into it, (laughs) right? Uh, Maybe so. Um, When I first moved here, I actually started working for a local distillery, Bloomery Sweet Shine in Charlestown. Okay. Um, And we got to the point where we were trying to educate people how to use that particular product, being an all-natural one, and how to elevate their cocktails. So we started doing what we called the booze letter uh, monthly <laughs> newsletter. Um, so I got into really researching a lot of different ways because, you know, if you're sending people the ideas every month of all these new ways to use the same line of products, you really start getting out there with what you can do with things. Um, so I've taken that exact concept to our bar at the Guidehouse and we are running, <laughs> we're running a 
complete all-natural craft cocktail bar out of an old diner space. Wow. This place never had a liquor license before <laughs> us, so we've had to get very creative with the space and with the ingredients, so we don't use a soda gun or anything like that. We have all-natural bottled sodas, cane sugar, uh, just really good stuff. And we um, try to educate our staff first and foremost because we have a lot. If you look at our backboard, or excuse me, back bar at the guidehouse, um, you're not going to recognize very many bottles unless you are a supporter of all things local. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're starting to get a name for that. So we start with our staff. Um, we've actually brought them to um, McClintock before for a gin class with Braden. Um, and we feel like the more knowledge they get, the more knowledge they send out to our guests at the restaurant. Um, and then you've got a whole list of, you know, new people turned on to all these other local products. Right. So that's kind of how we're spreading the gospel. We do a little blog too and explain things when we get new products in. So Awesome. Yeah. So um, let's talk about cocktails. What do you like to drink and what are you serving this evening in the People's Choice Round? Oh my gosh, just like asking, which one's your favorite child? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so short answer, I love whiskey and I love gin, both equally. The two um, best cocktail spirits. They're amazing, they're amazing. Um, bourbon specifically, I like the nuances of the smoothness and kind of the sweet caramelly kind of things going on in a good bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoy gin. Tonight I'm playing with Forager Gin. Um, it's got that nice sort of fennel note mm, in I love it. it. So fennel kind of reminds me of, you know, you're going into like the anise flavors and the um, holiday mulling spices. Mm-hmm. So I've added a little bit of a black walnut bitters in there. Mm. I've got it, the orange bitters in there. Um, and we've got fresh squeezed grapefruit juice. Oh, I love it. To kind of brighten it all up, a little bit of pomegranate in there. And uh, you'll start to see that the flavors... The way that the gin plays with everything else in there, it almost tastes like, okay, this is going to sound bad, the punch you maybe drink when you were a child. <laughs> Hopefully not with gin in it, though. Uh, but, you know, it's going to have a nice frothy aquafabas in there. So it gives it oh, this nice frothy, texture, dreamy. Oh. Uh, so it reminds you of the punch. Well, maybe they put the sherbet on top and it gets really... Oh, yes, yeah. that really cool, like foamy head on it. Yes. Uh, so we're going to drop a little bitters on top of that to oh. give it a nice aroma. The bubbles will push that right into your nose. It's going to smell and taste amazing. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. That is a 3D <laughs> flavor experience. I'm I trying. I'm going for it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, Sarah, very excited to, first of all, taste some of that <laughs> juice. Uh, I might, you might be my first stop tonight. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> I will be ready. We're excited to get them out there. Uh, but yeah, uh, otherwise, thanks for being on the podcast. And Thank best you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we'll see you downstairs. After one more quick spin through the rules of the event, our bartenders manned their stations, scattered around the distillery and tasting room, and guests began to filter in, throwing off the cold and wet of the evening in favor of the warm, bright distillery. Each guest was armed with two tickets for voting purposes, so they had the option to either spread the love around to their two favorite drinks or really double down and stuff the ballot box for their favorite bartender. Following an excellent hour of sampling and mingling, the votes were tallied, and the three finalists who would move on to the Chopped-style elimination round were announced. Damon with his Cosmo-inspired milk punch, Trisha with her wolf mule, and Sarah with her beautiful bubbly gin creation were the People's Choice champions for the evening, and they moved behind the bar, ready to do battle with the secret ingredients. Our judges for this portion of the show were uncapped podcast host Chris Sands, Rachel Armistead of The Sweet Farm, makers of delicious ginger beer and fermented veggies, and Russ 
Benson, Maryland sales director for Bacchus Importers. They evaluated each of the cocktails in the elimination round for balance, creativity, presentation, and use of the secret ingredient. In the first round, the secret ingredient was spicy kraut juice from pickled green tomatoes provided by the Sweet Farm. Here's Rachel Armistead introducing the ingredient. And today what we have for our three uh, worthy contestants is our cherry bombs. And what those are, pickled green tomatoes. And the story behind our pickled green tomatoes is that we were contacted a few years by years ago by some local farmers saying, hey, I've got all these green tomatoes, we're about to pull our tomato plants out because it's about to frost, do you want them? And we said, sure, we'll give it a try. And we made um, some pickled green tomatoes, we made our kapow chow chow, that's one of our favorites, if anybody knows of that. Uh, and we did some whole green tomatoes this year and they're really fun and funky. And so we've got the, um, the actual tomatoes for the, for the um, contestants to work with and then we've got the brine, which is the ingredient that's gotta go into the cocktail, so it should be fun. Now. The bartenders had a pretty tall task ahead of them to find a way to cut the spice, acidity, and salinity of the kraut juice in a way that would complement the cocktail and not overpower it. Unfortunately, Trisha's offering, hilariously named the What the Fuck Teeny, didn't quite achieve the balance that our judges were looking for, which left Damon and Sarah to duke it out for the title. But the adoring crowd made sure to send off their beloved wolfwoman with a pack of howls that shook the rafters. In the final round of the competition, the secret ingredient was spicy honey, which brought a bright, feisty pop of sweetness to close out the evening. At this point, my recollection gets a little less reliable because in between my MC duties, I was behind the bar helping to batch drinks and trying to keep the crowd engaged and in check. They'd had a few drinks at this point, which made listening to me a little less interesting than it had been earlier in the evening. In the end, despite the challenging ingredients and fairly stingy time limits for drink development, Damon Shattuck edged out Sarah Murphy in the elimination round to bring home the title, concluding what was truly an epic evening of cocktails and good-natured revelry. If you've made it this far, you'll have just listened to two episodes completely dedicated to cocktail competitions, the people who run them, and the bartenders who compete in them. Now, before I let you go, I'd like to offer a condensed bullet point list of some of my key takeaways from these experiences and from others that I've had in the past. Tip number one, get organized. When you run a cocktail competition, things are going to get crazy. There will be bartenders slinging drinks, guests enjoying themselves, music playing, essentially all the chaos of a bar, but suddenly with different rules. So if you're not organized right off the bat with things like an ingredient inventory, a run of show, and a set of written bartender bios and introductory remarks, then you're gonna sink as soon as a little or a big thing starts to go wrong. So do yourself a favor and have plenty of documentation and structure to support the event you wanna run. Tip number two, set creative constraints. One of the difficult parts about running a cocktail competition is finding that happy middle ground between too many ingredients and too few. 
In the case of Catoctin Creek and McClintock, we were pretty lucky. Each of these distilleries offered both gins and rye whiskeys, as well as one or more other bottles for bartenders to choose from in each round. That's plenty of spirits. So, in the case of the Barroom Blitz, what we did was really focus on mixers, herbs, and citrus. We got great feedback from bartenders about the options they had in this situation. It was enough to feel like they had plenty of things to choose from, but not so much that they were intimidated by the sheer amount of ingredients at their disposal. Tip number three, play to the strengths of your space. While the Catoctin Creek Battle of the Bartenders was held at a bar, the McClintock Distilling Barroom Blitz was held at their distillery, two very different spaces, each with unique pros and cons. For example, at McClintock, we didn't have great access to ice, which is something we had to actively troubleshoot at the last minute. On the other hand, because McClintock hosts so many weddings at their venue, they've got a great sound system, which makes it really easy to get the crowd's attention and keep the show moving. Most importantly, you'll need to consider what happens when you put a crowd into your space. Crowds, like liquids, will move to fill whatever container they're placed in, so make sure you have a very clear vision of where you'd like the crowd to be at any given time during the program and how you plan to accommodate them in that location with things like seating, tables, trash cans, water dispensers, and even food. If this is beginning to sound complicated to you, you're right, it's pretty complicated. Tip number four, format is everything. As you've seen, there's a number of ways you can set up a cocktail competition. You can rely on the crowd or on judges to help make decisions regarding which bartenders advance through the rounds. You can and probably should have some sort of secret challenge or ingredient to keep things engaging and insert an element of surprise into the proceedings. But whatever format you choose, make sure you commit to it fully, inform your bartenders thoroughly ahead of time, and make sure the audience knows exactly what role they should be playing at any given time. If there are any question marks about what the rules are, the event could have a somewhat awkward feel to it at certain points. So remember, just keep it simple and keep it seamless. Finally, tip number five, prepare your judges. First of all, you should try and tap judges who have a decent amount of experience in the spirits and cocktail world, or at least folks who can speak intelligently about flavor in front of a crowd. And to help them out, you should be really explicit about the judging criteria you'd like them to use. We created some really simple cocktail scoring sheets for the Barroom Blitz to simplify the judging process and determine which cocktails were the most successful according to the categories we told bartenders they'd be evaluated on. I'll include a copy of that scoring sheet on the show notes page for this episode so you can see exactly what it looks like. I hope this two-part mini-series on cocktail competitions and the fearless bartenders who participate in them has inspired you to seek one out or maybe even host one yourself in the near future. It's a really fun way to learn about yourself and really play with flavors. And I think it truly embodies both the elements of surprise and delight that set apart cocktails and mixology from other culinary arts. I'm Modern Bar Cart CEO Eric Koslick. Thanks for listening. And if you ever need a cocktail competition judge or MC, well, 
you know where to find me. Cheers. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cards. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here, and by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. Boldly.